The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I ask you to turn with me this evening in the Word of God to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We'd like to get in verse 31 and go through the end of the chapter, Lord willing, this evening. If you remember here, this is in the aftermath, John chapter 5, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and this is in the aftermath of his healing of the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. And there were some Jews that were really upset that that man was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And they questioned his authority in uh, walking with his bed on the Sabbath day and questioned Jesus' authority to heal on the Sabbath day. And uh, Jesus affirms his divinity, his equality with the Father. The Jews sought to kill him for that, and from 19 through the end of the chapter is one continuous discourse to these scoffing Jews that doubted his divinity, that doubted his equality with the Father, that he truly was God manifest in the flesh. And the first portion of this is he's offering evidences, seven evidences, we could say, of his equality with the Father. The Son is equal with the Father. And through the rest of the chapter, he then gives witnesses, independent witnesses of his divinity. So he's going to highlight for these Jews that put a lot of emphasis on the law, that put a lot of emphasis on the, uh, the scriptures, as we see in verse 39, put a lot of emphasis on Moses and his writings and his teaching. Moses wrote those uh, was moved by the Holy Spirit to, to write those, and they're attributed to Moses. So they put the law on such a pedestal, and he said, you need to understand that that law and all the Old Testament scriptures were all pointing toward me, and they are another witness of my divinity. So in those Old Testament scriptures, it is especially as they are um, the Old Testament Jews were required to exact certain types of civil laws for certain offenses. You had to establish the truth of that situation in the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Because otherwise people would just lie and say somebody, you know, if, if I hated uh, somebody really bad, and I know there's a lot of things you can get killed for in the, in the Levitical law, right? So I could just lie and say you did such and such, and if there's not an independent witness to verify that, then I could kill my enemy, theoretically, right? So therefore, there has to be, what, two to three witnesses. So these Jews were very comfortable, very comfortable with the idea of having two to three witnesses to independently verify information, to independently verify events, and also, in this case, to independently verify identity, okay? Jesus' identity as being the Son of God and being uh, divine and one with the Father. So, he says here in verse 31, John chapter 5 and in verse 31, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. 
So he first says that if I just come and I proclaim that I am divine, that I'm God manifest in the flesh with no witnesses, independent witnesses to back that up, then you should reject me, right? Because there have been people that have came from time to time that will come in the future that show up and say that I'm God, right? There, there have been false Christs. There will be false Christs who show up and say I'm God. Okay, so what are the evidences if you claim divinity, what are the evidences of your divinity? What are the witnesses? What are the independent witnesses of that? And he gives uh, four irrefutable witnesses of his divinity. And the first of those that he highlights here is John the Baptist. Verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, you shouldn't believe that I am the Son of God just because I tell you. That I am, right? We're told in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, you need to try the spirits. If somebody comes saying that they are the Son of God, you need to test them. You need to prove them. That they had that same issue with apostles in the first, uh, the first century. There were false apostles that came. Okay, well, show us the signs of an apostle, right? Let's test it. Let's verify it. And there will be people that come in the past and there will be coming in the future who will claim divinity and... If that happens, you need to, first of all, not, not only that, you don't have to be concerned if they are the Son of God or not. Because when Jesus comes back, this world's going to be burnt up, right? There's not going to be anybody standing up on the face of the earth saying, I am Jesus Christ, come back to the face of, the, face of this earth. No. When Jesus comes back, he's burning it up. Okay, so that's pretty easy. That's pretty simple, right? <laughs> if someone stands on the face of the earth and says, I'm the, I'm the son of God, we can easily say, no. <laughs> no, you're not, right? Now, before Jesus Christ came, God sent a forerunner. He sent John the Baptist to go before him as a voice crying in the wilderness, prophesied back in the Old Testament, prophesied back there in Isaiah chapter 40 of his role in leveling the ground and raising the low places and lowering the high places to make the, uh, make the plain in which Jesus would establish his ministry as smooth as possible. So first of these witnesses is John the Baptist. There is another that beareth witness of me, verse 32, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye, you sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. What, what was John's consistent message when people came and asked, who are you? He said, I'm not the Christ. He made that very clear, right? I'm not the Christ. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness that's to prepare the way for the one that's going to come after me, who I'm not worthy to unloose his shoe latching. And then what did he say when Jesus Christ finally came? Behold. The Lamb of God. Look, you see his witness, right? His public declaration of that witness. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And that was John the Baptist's consistent message. It's not about me. It's about him. He that's coming. And every time that he had the opportunity, he pointed as a witness to, as we remember from John chapter 1, he, he pointed to the true light, Right? He was the light that pointed to the true light. He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. 
but I receive not <clears throat> testimony from man, but these things I say that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. So John the Baptist, first of those independent witnesses. Verse 36, for I have greater witness than that of John. Okay, so I sent John as a forerunner to uh, establish the beginning of the, this testimony, to establish the precedent of baptism, to establish the precedent of repentance, to press into the kingdom. But I have a greater witness than just the, the testimony of John the Baptist. And we're going to come, come back uh, to the baptism of Jesus Christ that John the Baptist conducted here in just a minute when we get to the third witness, which is the witness of the Father. Okay? But, the second of these, I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. He's already been alluding to that in the first portion of this sermon, that God the Father, you know Jews from the Old Testament, you know that Jehovah God, He healed the sick, and I healed the sick. He healed the blind, and I healed the blind. He healed lepers, and I healed the lepers. He raised the dead. He quickened the dead, and I have quickened the dead. So all of these works that He's manifesting, these miracles are manifesting the same miracles that Jehovah God manifested in the Old Testament. And what does that claim? What does that prove? What does it manifest? His equality with the Father and His divinity. And obviously the Father is giving His approval of these works and these miracles that He is performing. So the works and the miracles that He is performing is an independent witness that can be easily verified that this man has greater authority than some, than some charlatan, right? It's not like those, uh, those magicians in Egypt that were able to do a couple little things uh, that kind of imitated what Moses did, but their little bit of authority ran out pretty quickly, right? It wasn't uh, some charlatan like that. No, these are works that can only be done, as Nicodemus said back in John chapter 3, right? You must have be a man come from God, right, to do these works, because those works were an independent witness of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Verse 37, and the Father himself, the works bear witness that I'm from the Father, and then the Father himself, the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Remember back when uh, John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ, what happened in the aftermath of that, what happened is Jesus came up out of the water. There was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, right? He's claiming that I'm the son and I'm equal with the father. Well, if someone is saying, this is my beloved son, who does that indicate the identity of the person saying that? The father, right? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then also the Holy Spirit lighted on him as a dove. Proof of his divinity, right? John the Baptist came and, and was testifying publicly that this is the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. But then you have the voice of the Father verifying it as he comes up out of the water as Jesus is baptized. So you have the witness of the Father. And he, he now kind of begins to rebuke 
the audience that has been questioning him, the audience that has been scoffing him, and making it very clear to not necessarily them, but to the people around them. Okay, Remember, he is delivering this publicly in the temple. He's delivering this publicly in the temple, and these people who desired the praise of men, they desired to be elevated in the eyes of men, he is tearing them down brick by brick. Okay, And that, that's some of the most important discourses in the book of John, is he's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, and he is absolutely tearing down the authority and the influence and the power of these whited sepulcher Jews and Pharisees, okay? And he clarifies the reason why that you can't process these witnesses and these proofs of my divinity has nothing to do with their validity. The problem is that you don't have the capacity to understand. You don't have the capacity to believe. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Remember back to what he said a little bit earlier. How are those that are dead in sins quickened to life in Jesus Christ? What is the mechanism? What's the means of the new birth? The voice of the Son of God, right? Well, if you haven't heard his voice, if you haven't heard his voice, you can't understand that. You can't, you can't see through spiritual eyes and understand with a spiritual mind that this is that you can't uh, properly validate in a spiritual sense by faith. Any, anybody should be able to see it in a, in a natural sense that there's something different about these actions that he's performing. But you have to have a spiritual mind by faith to be able to believe on him as the son of God. Okay. So, first of all, you've never heard his voice. In other words, you've never been born again. And because of that, because you are unborn again, you haven't been quickened by his sovereign voice in regeneration. Now you, you have no ability to see his, see his shape. You can't see his movement in the world and how his hand is imprinted on so many things here in this world. Verse 38. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. You have not the Father's word abiding in you. And boy, they, they thought that they had the Father's word, Jehovah, Jehovah's word of the Old Testament and the scriptures and the law. Boy, they thought they had that down, didn't they? That was the source of their pride. That was the source of their self-justification. And Jesus clarifies the reality of the situation. You have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent him, you believe not. What's the evidence that you don't have his word abiding in you? You're rejecting the messenger from the Father. Okay? Verse 39, the fourth of these witnesses. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. We'll go ahead and read through the, through the end of the chapter since it references Moses a little bit later on. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. 
I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses... Ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Now these are the Jews that are rebuking Jesus for supposedly dishonoring the Sabbath. When it talks about the scriptures, especially when it talks about Moses, it's primarily talking about the first five books of the Bible, primarily the four books of the law. Now, now you could certainly say the same thing about uh, all the Old Testament scriptures, right, uh, that have prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ. But they were not overly concerned about condemning Jesus Christ from prophecies in the book of Micah and Zechariah and all these, all these prophecies of the Messiah, right? No. What they were concerned about was the law. They didn't think that they had eternal life from... Uh, again, the prophecies in the book of Daniel, right? No, they thought they had eternal life because of the law, because of their obedience to the law who the Lord uh, penned or uh, moved Moses to pen. And boy, you want to talk, <laughs> they would have been incensed just to have tell, told them this in private, but he is saying this publicly in the temple. And he's telling them, you put all of your confidence in the law. You put all of your confidence in your perceived obedience to Moses. And guess what? You don't even really believe Moses. You put all your trust in him. That's what he says in verse 45. You put all your trust in Moses. You put all your trust in the law. And guess what? You don't even really believe the law. Why? Because the, the person that all the law was pointing to has arrived. And not only have you rejected him, but you want to kill him. Right? You've rejected Moses. <laughs> and boy, if you asked them that, they wouldn't have thought they were rejecting Moses, right? They thought that they were honoring Moses because they had this, this uh, perceived obedience to the law when actually they were totally condemned before the law, right? Search the scriptures. For in them, in your obedience to the law, you think... You have eternal life. You're putting confidence in your works for salvation, in your obedience to the law. But listen, the whole purpose of the law, we spent a long time on the radio recently. Uh, those messages are on Macedonia's website as well as gospel-of-grace.com. Jesus Christ in the law, and this was our main text in considering that. And I hope that if you had a chance to listen to those messages, that you saw Jesus Christ just coming out of every single aspect of the law. The, but going back to the first message of that, uh, of that series, yes, Jesus Christ comes out on every page of the law. But, but go back to the purpose of the law. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law from Romans chapter 3 is that every mouth would be stopped and that we would understand that we are guilty before God. 
We've broken God's holy law. And the whole purpose of the law is for you to see the gravity of the law and how big it is and how weighty it is and what a horrible yoke of bondage it is Amen. to where you, you look at the law and, there's, and you say, there's no hope that I can be perfectly obedient because I have to be in perfect obedience to this. There's no hope for me. And that's where God wants you to be at. <laughs> he wants you to have no confidence in and of yourself, no confidence in, in your own works, because what does that do? That drives you to the cross. It drives you to sovereign grace. It drives you to unconditional salvation. It drives you to unconditional election and God's choice of a people, because there's no work, and it doesn't matter how simple that work is. If that work is belief, if that work is a thought, if that work is a prayer, it doesn't matter what that work is, that's, if that's what you put your confidence of eternal salvation in, that's what they did in the totality of the Old Testament law. And he said, listen, guys, the whole time, the purpose of the law was to show your inability to obey the law. And at the same time, it was to point you to me, right? It was to point you that the law was insufficient. And then Jesus came to fulfill the law on our behalf to a jot and to a tittle, right? So he tells these Jews that put all their confidence and their obedience to the law, search the scriptures. If you honestly evaluate the Old Testament scriptures through the lens of the New Testament, you think you have eternal life, but the law testifies of the Son, right? The Father has been bragging on the Son all the way back in the Old Testament. Okay? Now, there they would testify of me. The law, the Old Testament. Moses, testify of Jesus Christ. Verse 40. Ye will not come to me that you might have life. Why wouldn't they come? Because... They're dead in trespasses and sin. They have no capacity to come. You know, it's, it's pretty simple to understand, or it should be, that dead is dead, right? Dead, dead's pretty simple. Dead's pretty simple. And people that are dead, I always get this phrase wrong, but you could not come if you would, and you would not come if you could, right? right. You, it, either direction, whichever way you want to look at it. Because guess what? A dead person doesn't have a can, and they also don't have a will. Because they're what? Dead. Dead's pretty simple, isn't it, right? Not half dead like that man uh, that the Good Samaritan helped. No, he had a little bit of life left. Full dead. Dead in trespasses and in sin. And that was the condition of these Jews. You will not come to me. You will not come to me. Now, he's not offering them an invitation to come to him and and receive eternal life. He's saying, listen, the evidence that you reject me is evidence that you don't have life. Yes. And if you don't have life, you can't come. Because guess what? Can dead people come? Can dead people come anywhere? No, they can't, right? That's very simple, isn't it? Dead in trespasses and total depravity. And how do you get life? He addressed that in the first portion of the sermon. By the voice of the Son of God, quickening those that are dead. What's the, what's the difference between the, these people that are being condemned here and born-again children of God that believe on the Son? What's the difference? 
the voice of the Son of God has quickened them. Right? Verse 41, I receive not honor from men, but I know you. I know you. That ye have not the love of God in you. Now, Jesus Christ is God. So he can make definitive statements about people's eternal state and the, and the condition of their soul. We judge through a glass darkly. Okay? But when Jesus says, I know you, <laughs> he knows the exact condition of their soul, doesn't he? Amen. He knows if he resides there. He knows if he's born them again and his voice has, has quickened their soul. I know you, and guess what? Ye have not the love of God in you. Regardless of how you try to give the pretense that you obey the law, uh, and one of the portions of the law is to love God. Love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your And you give the pretense that you do that when you stand on the uh, sides of the street and give loud flowing prayers where everybody can see. You give the pretense that you love God when you uh, give in such a way where other people will see you giving and they will, you will receive the praise of men. You give the pretense of that. But he said, listen, you don't have the Father. And because you don't have the Father, you, have, you don't have the love of the Father. And that's why you don't love the Son, right? If you don't have the love of the Father, you can't love the Son. I know you. God, know, God knows every person in this world individually and uh, knows the fullness of their eternal condition. And he knew that they did not have the love of the Father in them. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another man shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. <laughs> he said, you're more likely to believe the false Christ than you are me, because that false Christ is not coming from the Father. It's coming from Satan, most likely. Verse 44, how can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. He said a little bit earlier in this sermon that he's committed all judgment to the Son. But he's, he's publicly, not just individually, but publicly tearing down their obedience, their perceived obedience to the Mosaic Law. There is one that accuseth you. Even Moses, in whom... You trust. You put all your confidence and your obedience to the law of Moses. And what's going to happen at the last day? Jesus Christ is going to return. This world is going to be burnt up. He's going to separate the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And Revelation chapter 20, the lighter portion of that, gives us a picture into that judgment on the left hand. And there's going to be books opened. And there will be people judged according to their works. And all of those that don't have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed on their behalf in the Lamb's Book of Life will be eternally cast into the lake of fire. Okay? But what are their works judged against? The law of God. The law of God, which was manifested by Moses. And the irony of this is just so, so humorous to me. They feel like that they are in perfect obedience to the Mosaic Law. And he said, listen, 
at the last day, you think you're in obedience to the law. There was a time where Paul thought that he was in perfect obedience to the law, wasn't he? But boy, when, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And I realized I didn't even know what, I didn't even really know what that commandment was except something was written on paper. But now I feel it in my soul. Now I feel it in my conscience. But prior to that time, if you asked him, if he had to stand before God and God did ask you, now this, you, you, don't, you don't show up before St. Peter and tell all your good works to get into heaven. But if you did, if you did, these, these Pharisees thought they were going to show up and they were going to open up the Mosaic Law and then... Uh, where St. Peter theoretically wasn't even born then. We'll say, we'll say Moses. Moses, uh, Moses is going to evaluate you. And they really thought in their own self-deluded, unregenerate state, actually, that their works would be good enough. But the reality of it is that what would, the, 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 the same thing that they put the confidence in, which is Moses' law, is exactly what he would stick in their face and said, this is the reason you would go to hell, right? Amen. You put total confidence in your works. That's the whole reason Jesus Christ had to come and die on the cross was because of your works, Amen. right? You put confidence in the law and your obedience to the law. That's the whole thing that condemns you to hell. Isn't it amazing how just backward we get everything, yeah. right? How in the world could anybody think that you could be saved by your own works? The whole purpose of the law is to show you that you are wholly condemned before God. And and if you put any confidence in that, that's actually what would condemn you in the last day. So you put your confidence, you supposedly put your confidence in Moses. And actually, it's Moses that condemns you. You know, they, they were all they were all worked up about the Sabbath, weren't they? Well, they were all worked up about the Sabbath. But you want to know who the Sabbath was pointing to? It was pointing to Jesus Christ as our Sabbath rest. Right? He is our rest. So they're trying to tell the Son of God that you're wrong for healing on the Sabbath day, and he said, Listen, I am the Sabbath. That was it my day. But I am the Sabbath. I am the fulfillment of that Sabbath. So it's, it's just amazing how it's almost like they're trying to put the law in Jesus' face to condemn him. And he's saying, you guys are so deluded. You're putting confidence in the law. The law is what wholly condemns you. <laughs> okay? Ye, for had ye believed Moses. Oh, man. Again, he's not just telling this them this in private, publicly in the temple. He's saying, you put confidence in Moses and the law, the law is what condemns you. And furthermore, you act like you believe Moses, you act like you're trying to run people down and, you know, hound everybody that's carrying a bed on the Sabbath day and act like you're doing the Lord's work. (laughs) You don't even believe Moses. Why don't you believe Moses? Because Moses was writing about me, right? Moses was writing about the Son. These scriptures were testifying of Jesus Christ. And had you believed Moses, you don't even believe Moses. And had the capacity to believe Moses, because they were not born again. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Why? 
for he wrote of me, right? The law was all pointing toward the Lamb of God shedding his blood to be sprinkled upon the mercy seat to appease the wrath of Jehovah God, right? And then he summarizes this, verse 47. If ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Okay? Now, I want to leave you with this thought. The Word of God, the divinely inspired and preserved Word of God, this, this Bible is not written to the world. Okay? It's written to God's people. Right. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for some things that the man of God, not the world, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. And the only testimony, the only witness that we need to believe and to, in our own mind, spiritual mind by faith, to validate. The divinity of Jesus Christ is what? It's the Word of God. Amen. Right? He says, look, even the Old Testament, we're not even talking about the good news of the Gospel in the New Testament. Even all of the... I hate to put it like this because it's divinely inspired, but some of the minutia... Some of that hard-to-read stuff in Leviticus, if that's talking about Jesus Christ, boy, how much better is the New Testament that actually Amen. reveals the things that were concealed in the Old Testament? And he's saying, listen, the only thing that you need to believe on me as the Son is the Word of God. Amen. That's all you need. In the... Uh, Parable. It's framed as a parable, but I tend to think it was a true story of Lazarus and the, and the rich man. Typically, Jesus did not name names of individual people when he was describing a parable. So I tend to think that was an account, not a parable. But when that rich man was thrown into hell and he had all this torment and he's saying, Oh, Lord, I'm so tormented. Please, please um, ease my suffering for a brief period of time. This is what Jesus told him. This is in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And he's, and he's saying, I pray thee, uh, let me go back and tell... I'm really miserable down in hell. Let me go back and tell my family members so they don't end up here. And then what did Abraham speaking, but this is God speaking. What does Abraham say? Notice this. They have Moses and the prophets... Let them hear them. And then he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if, if one uh, went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Okay, number one, you have the Word of God. That's sufficient. That's all you need if you have the capacity to believe and you're born again. But if they don't accept or believe Moses and the prophets, even if somebody was risen from the dead, they wouldn't believe. Amen. <laughs> And guess who was risen from the dead? Jesus Christ in validation that he is the son that is equal with the father. So all you need to know is the word of God and the gospel that tells you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And th this, the totality of this canon of scripture 
especially the New Testament, especially the Gospel of John, that focuses on these, these miracles and these events and these works that validate and testify to the divinity of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is all you need Amen. if you have faith. <laughs> if you have faith, if you've heard the voice of the Son of God, the Word of God is all we need as the one witness, the one witness to the divinity of Jesus Christ. These are the scriptures, testify of Jesus Christ, study them, believe them, and thank the Lord that he's so gracious to give us the testimony of his grace that our works are insufficient and we've been saved by grace alone. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.